Are you over in 1 Timothy chapter 3? We've been on a series for um, the last few weeks. I just can't seem to get off of it. On standing in the evil day. How many of you know we're in the evil day? And we're seeing things that um, are uncomfortable. We're seeing things happening around us that um, um, we're standing against. Amen. I said the church is standing against unrighteousness. And I believe God's moving and God is working. Amen. We had a fraud election which resulted in a fraud president. Amen. And it's going to be upended. I said it's going to be upended. So well, you're not supposed to say stuff like that. I'm saying it. I'm saying it. Because I'm telling you, God's not finished with America. And everybody America touches. See, what happens here affects the rest of the world. And so we as the church, we are the restraining force in the earth. We got to use our faith. What God needs from us right now is faith. He needs our words. He just needs us to believe him. Hallelujah. See, why are you still on that? Because we're the church. We're the church. We can't forget what we're here to do. We're here to exercise the authority that we've been given for our nation and for the harvest. It's all about harvest from here on out. All of the prosperity. All of the things that you see God doing, it's for the harvest from here on out. Hallelujah. So God's moving and God's doing things. But you know, the enemy's working too. And one of the things that he's doing is he's working to deceive. He's working to bring deception. It's like a mist upon the world. It's like a mist even upon Christians. It's like a blanket of darkness over their minds. But I'm telling you, that doesn't have to happen to us. That doesn't have to happen to you. But Jesus warned us about this. I'm going to read to you some scriptures. I'll catch up with you if you're over in 1 Timothy 3. Matthew 24 and 4 says this. Jesus was talking about the time that we're in right now. He said, he said, take heed. Boy, I tell you, that just stands out to me. I could preach on take heed right now. Take heed and pay attention to your spiritual life right now. Pay attention to what's happening with you. Pay attention that the, the world and the current of this world hasn't influenced you and, and changed the direction of your spiritual life. Some people need to take heed that COVID didn't change the spiritual direction of their life. Because they're less on fire now than they were last March. Take heed. Take heed that no man deceive you for many shall come in my name saying I am Christ and shall deceive Many. I want you to hear me this morning. The powers of deception are at work in the world today. They're at work right now. The enemy is working in particular to deceive people. 
and it's working through people. We have, we have groups of people that will not release the truth. I mean, it's hard to even find the truth anymore because they want to put their version of truth out there so that they can control what you hear and see and thus control you. Control what you believe. It's the truth. But I'm going to tell you, those kingdoms are coming down. Those kingdoms have an expiration date on them. The media has an expiration date on it. Because I'm going to tell you, it's working with the kingdom of darkness. If you sit at home and believe Fox News, MSNBC, CNN, if you sit all day long and listen to that and let it form what you believe, you're a fool. You're a fool. And the devil will use that to deceive you. We have to recognize that the enemy is at work. He is at work right now to restructure the whole planet into a one world system. And he's using fringe groups like Black Lives Matter who could care less about black lives but they're a Marxist organization. You don't believe me, go to their website. And they're anti-God, anti-family, anti-religion and all of this is an attempt to restructure everything and pull Christians into that to promote something that's from the very pit of hell. We're here to stand for truth, the truth of the word of God. And so you have to recognize that these things are at work right now don't get mad at me. I got people I know going to write me over black lives matter. Black lives do matter. And it's terrible some of the things that have happened in our world today. But they have hijacked the Democratic Party. It gets real quiet when you start talking about this. It's not about political things. It's about light and darkness. You better know what, that you're on the right side. You better know that you're on God's side, my friend. Because there are spiritual things at work all around us today. And we have to make a decision to stand for the word of God and not to get sucked into the deception. Can I read you a verse? I'm going to read it anyway. I just thought I'd ask. Can we put it on can can we put on the screen Isaiah 60 and verse 2. You get anything out of this today? We're going to get into some really good things uh, that I believe are going to help you uh, just in your daily life. Isaiah 60 and 2 says this. This describes our world. It says for behold the darkness shall cover the earth. Now look at this and gross darkness the people. So there's going to be darkness in the earth during this time before the Lord comes back. But notice this gross darkness on the people. Other, other translations say this, dense darkness, deep darkness, thick darkness, total darkness. Can you see that in the world where 
People are so darkened in their understanding that we don't know if someone's a boy or a girl. Our health secretary is involved in transgenderism, which is from the very pit of hell. We don't know if boys should be going into girls' bathrooms or girls should be going into boys' bathrooms or if boys need to be competing in girls' sports and if abortion is right or wrong. Come on now. What is that? That is gross darkness on the people, on their minds, on the way that they think. But look at this. I love this. Here we are in this verse. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. So in this dark time, hallelujah, there is a light, and that light is on us. That light is on the church. And the light is on us so that those in the darkness know where to run to, know where to go to. See, there is a difference between light and darkness. We can't get caught up in the darkness. We can't get caught up in the deception. That's why I'm preaching this to you because some people still haven't figured it out. And you're promoting things that are from the very pits of hell. You're promoting things that are from darkness. I wish I had a friend in here. Because it's the truth. We can't get caught up in the darkness. We have to know, I'm telling you, be a Bible reader. Be a stickler for the word of God. That's what Brother Hagin always used to say. He'd say, be a stickler for the word. I get what he's talking about. Because I'm going to tell you something. It could be life or death to you right now where you stand. So how do we keep, I'm, 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 I'm going to get to where we're going this morning. How do we keep ourselves out uh, of that place where we're susceptible to the deception? God gave us tools. God gave us tools to use while we're here in this time. Aren't you glad he thought about us? and made a way for us to be free from the deception. I was thinking, well, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were in that fire, but they came out not even smelling like smoke. I tell you, we're in a time where there's so much deception around us that it don't have to touch you. You can come out, hallelujah, from this world and be like, praise God, I'm walking in the light. I'm walking in the light. I'm not blinded. I'm not deceived. I'm not confused. But praise God, I walk in the light as he is in the light. Amen. So the tools that we have, we, we talked about it some. The first one being, and we're just going to review, is the word of God. The tool that you have, the number one tool that you have in your life is the word of God. Of God. One of the things that, that you need to ask yourself, I'm going to give you Christianity 101, how to grow up. If you're serious about growing in the things of God, if you're serious about what you believe being accurate and lining up with Scripture, 
This is something that you have to do in your life. With everything you see and with everything you hear, you ask yourself this question, what does the Word say? What does the Word say about it? Because whatever the Word says about it is what I choose to believe. See, there's a push right now. There's a push right now for us to change. For the church to change from being Bible-based into being a social religion. The push is we're going to exalt intellectualism. We're going to exalt science. We're going to exalt man's wisdom. And we're going to be dismissive of the Bible. Because you people that believe the Bible, you know, and you don't, you know, support these alternative lifestyles and you don't support abortion, you're just not with it. You're not woke. That's a new one. You're not woke. I'm more than woke. I'm enlightened. How about that? How about my heart? I have eyes, spiritual eyes that see things by the Spirit of God. I've been able to discern the wisdom of God by the Holy Spirit. I'm better than woke. I've got revelation from God. I've got enlightenment to the Word of God as to what He says is true. And I think I'll stick with this book. See, I think I'll stick with this book because this book was here before I got here. This book will still be here after all of us leave. It has been accurate. It has been proven for over 2,000 years. I'm going to stick with this book because this book don't need no fixing. This book doesn't need to progress this book doesn't need to change. What needs to happen is you need to read it and you need to change. That's what needs to happen. You need to read it and you need to renew your thinking to it. It doesn't need to change for you because it's not going to. I'm going to tell you right now, the word of God ain't going to change for nobody. Jesus will stand alone if he has to on his word because it is the absolute truth and the foundation of everything. Don't you come up to me with your intellectualism because if you got any smarts in your head at all, any wisdom you may have was derived from this book. Hallelujah. There's a verse. I got to hurry. In, uh, can I just read it to you? You get anything out of this today? I pray you get stirred up and get a fire in you to stand for the truth and to stand for the word of God because we're, we're being called crazy. They want to send us to camp so that we can be transformed or something. Uh-uh. I don't need anything else. I've got his word. 
And his word is enough for me. And I stand by it without apology. I stand by it, hallelujah, without trying to explain it. It says what it says. It means what it means. And it is the truth, and it's not going to change. This verse right here, 1 Thessalonians 5.21 says, Prove, prove all things and hold fast to that which is good. You're going to hear and see a lot of things in life, but prove it. Measure it by the scriptures. If it can't be measured by this book, you kick it out. This is your marker. This is your measuring stick. And if it can't be measured by this, you kick it out. Hallelujah. And I don't care who told you or who taught it to you. They loved you, but they were wrong. Hallelujah. All right. The next tool that we have is the Holy Spirit. Can we just put 1 John 2 and 20, put it up there? We have the discernment of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, if you're born again, lives in you. And he's doing something in there. He's helping you and giving you the ability to perceive things. He gives you the ability to know and recognize good from evil. He is a witness-bearing spirit. Have you ever been around a situation or even a person and your spirit doesn't bear witness? Or your spirit does bear witness? That is the discernment of the Holy Spirit. And you have that. This verse, this is just review. 1 John 2.20, But ye have an unction from the Holy One. I love this. And ye know all things. The Holy Spirit will give you a heart knowledge. You may not have a head knowledge about it, but you'll have a heart knowledge about it. And you'll know something by the Spirit. I don't know why I feel this way, but just something down on the inside. You follow that because that is your tool from staying away from deception. Then we talked about the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. I don't have time to go into all of that, but we talked about that, um, and we're going to come back to that because there's so much wonder, there's so many good things that we could say about the wisdom of God. We're going to come back to that. But I want to talk about something uh, different today. We're going to talk about another tool that you have, and it's this. You have a pure conscience. A pure conscience. I remember the first time I heard somebody preach on the conscience of man. It was was Brother Hagin. And I learned so much. The, The Bible has so much to say about your conscience. And God gave it to you. God gave it to you so that it would help you, so that it would be a tool that you could use as you walk through this life to keep you away from deception. But here's the thing. He gave it to you, but in this world, if you don't protect it, if you don't guard it, it can become corrupted and it can become defiled. So I want to just go into some scriptures today. It got real quiet in here. Believe me, this is going to help you, and this will cause the things that you see happening in the world make more sense. It really will. It will cause things to make more sense to you. Over here in 1 Timothy, are you over there? 1 Timothy 3, 
and verse 9. says here, Paul's talking, he says, holding to the mystery of the faith, look at this, in a pure, pure conscience. That word pure there means clear or clean. So he's talking about you having a pure conscience, you having a clean conscience, or you having a clear conscience. See, your conscience will speak to you. Your conscience will nag you. Uh, I was sharing this with the other campus. Um, I like those crime shows on TV. I don't know. I'm just like, if I watch anything, I like to see the bad guys get caught. You know what I mean? Like, you know, something will happen and, you know, they don't have any evidence and then, you know, 30 years later, they'll find a piece of saliva on something and they'll, you know, they'll analyze it and they'll find, you know, you know, Joe Blow who lives back in the, you know, Tennessee mountains or something and they'll haul him in and he'll look like a, you know, mountain man or whatever and they'll throw him in jail, throw away the key. I just love that. I'm like, wow, this is awesome. DNA is just awesome. But I've watched quite a few of these stories, and it's not uncommon to have like a case where, you know, 30 years have gone by, 20 years have gone by, and, you know, nobody thought the case was ever going to get solved. But one day somebody just walks in a police station and confesses, or maybe they know something, they know that somebody did a crime and they carry it all these years and then one day they just can't take it anymore and they walk into a police station and they just, you know, they just spill it all out there. And many times the police will ask, you know, what made you come in here? And the answer is always the same. I couldn't live with my conscience. My conscience was speaking to me. My conscience was bothering me. God gave you a conscience. And he gave it to help restrain you. We're going to get into that. Can I, can I read you some scriptures about your conscience? Can we put that slide up there, that first one? You getting anything out of this today? I'm telling you, when you see this, you will see how important this is in your life and how much you need it to stay away from error. There's so much error today. There's so much deception today. God doesn't want you getting involved in error. The devil would love nothing more than to deceive you, blind your mind, and get you carried off with something. But see, if you'll use the tools, if you'll use the tools that God gave you, then you will stay away from error and you'll stay away from destruction. Um, let me read some of these to you. This is in Acts 23 and verse 1. It says, And Paul, earnestly beholding the council, said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. I would say that Paul had a very successful walk with God. 
He had a very successful ministry. Notice something he did. He paid attention to his conscience. I've lived before God. I've lived before men with a good conscience. He reiterates that again in Acts 24 and verse 16. We'll put that up there. He goes, and herein do I exercise myself to always have a conscience void to offense towards God and towards man. He's talking about he's got a clear conscience towards God. There's no offense I can tell because my conscience would tell me. You know, there's some people that are bitter towards the Lord, bitter towards God. There are people that are bitter towards people. You know, we, we're really good at, at um, charades at church. You know how I know? Because you'll know that somebody's mad at somebody in the church, but when they come in, hi. You know, and they'll hug them and all this, and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. But you know what always gives you away is your own conscience. When you're holding something, even against your spouse, your conscience will bother you. See, so you need to listen to that. And Paul listened to the voice of his conscience. He goes on to say this in um, 1 Timothy 1.19, holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith had made shipwreck. So he's saying... This is what happens when you put away faith. Notice this too. This happens when you put away a good conscience. You go shipwreck. See, it's not a small thing to override or to go against your conscience. You know, I always think about people that, you know, lost things in life because of like a lack of integrity you know what I mean? Lost a marriage, lost their family, <laughs> you know, because of making poor decisions, maybe having an affair or something like that. And I always think, what would their life be today if they would have listened? Listen to their conscience. Why? Because your conscience speaks to you. Your conscience bothers you about things. But in the world, people just push that aside. And it's so dangerous to do that. But it can cause you to go shipwreck. Can I keep reading? I hope you're not bored. There's some really good things we're going to look at today. First um, Timothy 4. In verse 1, can we put that on the screen? 1 Timothy 4 and verse 1 says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart, look at this, from the faith. That's extreme. Don't you read that and you think, Oh my goodness, how could people do that? The closer we get to the coming of the Lord and you have people that are, that are 
that are walking away from their faith during a time like this, how could that be? They, they shall depart from the faith, but notice this, giving heed. They've opened their ear to seducing spirits. That word there means persuasive, deceiving spirits. See, you open your ears to the wrong thing and you choose to embrace the wrong thing as truth, it will affect your spiritual life. Praise the Lord. Giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy. Here it is right here how a person will get to that point. Having their conscience seared with a hot iron. See, all of those things can only happen to you if your conscience, stay with me this morning, if your conscience has been defiled. You see how important this is? Um, let me read one more. Titus 1.15 says, Unto the pure, all things are pure. You know, if you're pure-minded, you have a pure conscience, you're not going to be worldly wise. You know what I mean? I remember growing up and I didn't get the dirty jokes and all that kind of stuff. And people, don't you understand it? Don't you get it? And I'm like, no, I don't get it. Why? Because to the pure, all things are pure. See, we're not striving to be like the world. If you don't get their jokes, you're blessed because it's probably filth. But unto them that are defiled... Look, notice this, and unbelieving is nothing pure. But even their mind and their conscience is defiled. So your conscience can become corrupted and your conscience can become defiled. Go over to um, 1 Timothy 4 and verse 2. And let me, while you're going over there, let me just give you some definitions of a conscience, and you'll see how this protects you. Uh, your conscience is an inner feeling or a voice as an acting guide to the rightness or the wrongness of something. Now see, for, as, for us as Christians, we also have the Word of God and we also have the Holy Spirit, but something else that you have is a conscience. We got a lot going on in here. Really, to disobey God, you gotta you gotta blow past quite a few things. You know what I mean? You gotta just move right on past the Holy Ghost. You gotta move right on past the instruction of the Word of God, and you've gotta go against your conscience to do these things. Um, it's an internal knowing of the difference between right. And wrong. Now, I'm going to show you that even the unsaved have this. But the reason it doesn't help them anymore is because theirs has been corrupted. It's going to make a lot of sense to you when we get to Romans 2. Um, I like this. It's an internal moral code. And I like this definition. It tells us where the limits are should be. 
Listen to that again. It tells you where the limits should be. Listen, you're going to get around people, and I noticed this when I was growing up. You know, you have childhood friends, and, you know, everybody's kind of the same in first grade, kind of, you know. But then you get up into high school, and you begin to find that people have different limits. I had different limits than some of my friends did. You get around adults even today, even family members, and you begin to find that sometimes you can only fellowship so far with them. Come on now. Why? Because they've got different limits than what you've got. Now, if you want to cross your limits, you want to expand your limits, get some new friends that are wrong for you. I don't care what your age. Get wrong fellowship and you'll start expanding your limits. You know, you need to wise up. People need to wise up. You know, when God starts blessing your life and helping you in your life, you know what he does? He sends right people. He sends right people to enrich you in the things of God, to make good impartation to you, to bless you, to help you along. But when the devil wants to start moving in your life or he sees God moving in your life in a good direction, he'll send wrong people. It's a good word. You need to judge who you're around by the Holy Spirit and some things you don't even need to ask him. If they're encouraging you to cross limits, see, because this is how it happens. You start going against your conscience, going against your conscience, going against your, crossing those lines like hurdles. Things you used to not accept are now acceptable to you. Things that you once knew were wrong, now you say they're right to you. And here begins the confusion because your limits are changing. Because your conscience is changing. As a believer, as a believer, don't compromise your convictions. Don't compromise your conscience. If your conscience doesn't feel right about something, that's your answer. And you don't have to look around to see what anybody else is doing. You know what you're supposed to do. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, I really felt impressed to minister on this. And I don't know that I ever really have to this degree but I, I'm telling you, we need this. This is a tool that we've just like thrown to the wind. And you've got Christians so confused, they don't know what's right or wrong anymore because they've dismissed the word. They don't have a relationship with the Holy Ghost. They don't have a relationship with the Bible. 
And they've went against their conscience so much that they've seared it. Can I read you this verse? I hope y'all are getting something. 1 Timothy 4.2, we looked at this already. Y'all are so quiet. Does that mean you're getting something? <laughs> that was the worst sermon I've ever heard. 1 Timothy 4.2, we looked at this earlier, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. I want to read that out of some other translations. See, this is what happens. You go against your conscience. You go against your conscience. You go against your conscience. It changes your conscience. It affects your conscience. It corrupts your conscience. Look at this in some other translations. In the NIRV, can we put that second slide up there? She's got it. Their sense of what is right and wrong has been destroyed. So when your ability to know right from wrong has been destroyed, then you no longer can make good judgment. And in a day like today, one thing we need to know is how to make good judgments. The GNT says whose consciences are dead as if burnt with a hot iron. The, the, the living Bible says these teachers will tell lies with straight faces and do it so often. See, that's the key. It's the going against, the going against, the going against, the going against. To no, Notice what happens. They, they, they do it so often that their consciences won't even bother them do you look at our society today and you look at people celebrating abortion I mean it's not that they just vote for it anymore they like cheer and clap and you know make the Empire State Building pink and all this kind of stuff in celebration and you think how how can people do that? Here. They've went against a good conscience so many times that they've destroyed it. And they can do what's wrong now and it not even bother them. See, this can happen to a child of God. I've seen it with my own eyes. Say, why are you preaching on this? Because I don't want this to happen to anybody in this church. I really don't. One of the most grieving things to a pastor is to see people go this way. And most of the time, people get to a place where they're so hard-hearted that they won't even hear you. They hate you just because you speak the truth to them. You speak it to them in love. You implore them. You practically beg them. I have begged people not to do the things that they've done. And they looked at me like they, if they could, they'd squash me. You know what I mean? 
hate me just because I tell them the truth. It can happen to anybody, and this is how it happens. You just keep going over it, going against it, going against it. You'll get to a place where it won't even bother you. You'll do it emotionless. You'll do it not caring the destruction, not caring that it will destroy your family, your finances, your reputation. You won't care because you've destroyed your conscience. It's awfully quiet in here. The NLB says they do it so much that their own hearts no longer say that it's wrong. The Weymouth says these men will have made their hearts so hard they will not know they are doing wrong. See, that's serious when you no longer recognize it. See, it's important that even our children, I wrote this down, um, it's why we live the way we live when no one is looking. Your conscience. It's why you live the way you live when nobody else is looking to keep you in check. Inside, you don't. You already know. You don't have to have somebody to tell you. You know it. You know, I, I have three boys, and every one of them, and I have a story too. Even when I was a kid, remember when you stole candy from the from the store? Parker stole a Hot Wheel, but the other two stole candy. I stole candy. Anybody ever had a kid that did that? Any other moms? This is just my kid that you know sinning they're just such such sin anyway um I feel better now praise the Lord but you know I remember when you know I found it in their little pocket they had it under their shirt you made a big deal about it remember you didn't just unwrap and say oh well just y'all help you eat it you know you didn't do that you you, you made them go in the store Find the manager. See, I know this. I had to do it three times. Find the manager. You know, you're standing around, you know, and they're sitting there crying, you know, tears and, you know, hush it. You're going to do this. And you're going to explain to that guy what you did and you're going to say you're sorry and you're going to give it back. And when you get home, I'm going to deal with you when we get home. Why? Why did you do that? Because they went against what they knew was right. And see, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Why? Because even when they're young, it's a tool that God is using in their life to keep them away from error and to keep them away from deception. Um, Go over to Romans chapter 2. I'm going to try to wrap this up here pretty quick. I hope this is helping you to see some things. Hebrews 10 and 16, can I just put that on the screen? Hebrews 10 16 says, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their heart and in their minds will I write them? So this is an additional thing that we have. We have the law of God written on our hearts 
That's not your conscience, but the Holy Spirit will work together with your conscience. You see what I'm saying? We got a lot going on. We got a lot to help us. Now, over in Romans chapter 2, I want to show you some things about conscience and how every person has been given this restraint. You know, that's really what a conscience is. It's a restraint. One person said this. He said, a conscience, living by your conscience, is like going through life with your foot close to the brake. Going through life with your foot close to the brake. Meaning that as you're going through life, you're checking things. You're paying attention to your conscience. See, there's people in the world that do this, but you have so many Christians that don't. And they don't pay attention to restraint. A lot of it, I think, is our society. You know, I was thinking about, um, you know, I'm going to be 50 this year. I don't know if I'm the oldest person in the room. Isn't that a crazy feeling when you're at the t dinner table and you're trying to figure out how old everybody is and then you figure out you're the oldest person sitting there? It's like, what am I, the chaperone or what? I mean, I thought I would be in the middle somewhere, but I'm the oldest one at the table. But when I was growing up, there were a lot of restraints. We paid attention to restraints because we had a lot of them. Like, you know, you couldn't watch dirty movies or dirty shows because you had one TV in the house. And it was in the living room where you had to watch TV with God and your parents and everybody. You know what I'm saying? You weren't off somewhere in a weird little room that had a TV in it, watching things you shouldn't watch. Phone conversations with friends and boyfriends right there in the kitchen. We had a phone in the kitchen and a phone in my mom and dad's bedroom, and I wasn't allowed in there. So I had to do all my talking with the long cord. I'd pull it as far as I could into the hallway where I could have a private, you know, conversation. Restraint. And it was good for us. It protected us. Nowadays, our kids... They don't understand restraint so much because they have a phone where they got access to everything. Well, not my kid. I put Well, they probably got friends. I mean, if they want to see it bad enough, they can see it. If they want to listen to it bad enough, they can listen to it. And so we have this younger generation that they don't pay attention to the natural restraint that God gave them, which is the law of conscience. But see, we all need to. Amen? Romans 2, I'm going to read this and I'm going to let y'all go home. Y'all look like y'all want to go home. Make wings, party wings and...
I'm teasing. Y'all need to stick around. We're going to have lunch. Romans 2. Let me show this to you and then we'll close after this. Romans 2 and verse 14. I want to show you that everybody has a conscience. But what's happened to their conscience is the reason why you see what we see today in the world. Romans 2 verse 14 says, For when the Gentiles... Now the word Gentile here means an unsaved person. Somebody that's not saved. So he's talking about the Gentiles. He says, For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, they don't have the word of God, like you and I do, as a guide for their lives. Notice this right here. They do by nature the things contained in the law. That's interesting. They don't have the word of God to guide them, but yet by nature they do things and have restraints that are even biblical. Like don't cheat on your wife. I was laughing about that last week. We were talking about it in him. That's why they call it sneaking around. If you didn't think it was wrong, why sneak around? You know what I mean? You'd be out in the open and <laughs> telling everybody about it. But you're sneaking around doing it even though you're not saved because there's something on the inside of you. There's an instinct you have that that's not right. You have instincts even about moral and biblical principles that God put in there because he created you. That's why people know that it's wrong to cheat. They know it's wrong to steal. They know that it's wrong to lie. They know that by the nature of By an instinct that God gave them. I love dogs. And the thing, the thing that's so amazing about dogs is that, you know, like I have a golden retriever and I have two beagles. And they are just by instinct who they are. You know what I'm saying? The retriever is getting everything. All the dirty clothes. He opens up Parker's sliding glass door and gets in his room just to drag out all the dirty clothes and put them in the yard. He's just a retriever. By instinct, he does it. My beagles want to hunt. They get up in the morning, they want to go hunt. Anything. Birds. Go for, we got a gopher right now. She's about to dig up the whole yard trying to find it. We've been losing shrub. We've been losing flowers. And Jeremy thought it was her. He kept blaming her. I go, it's, she's not eating these things. It's a gopher. And she's trying to help you, trying to kill it for you. But by instinct, that's who she is. By instinct, every single person was born with the ability to know what was right and wrong. They do by nature the things contained in the law these, these Gentiles, having not the law, they don't have the word of God. Now notice this. They don't have the word of God to look to. Living in this world, they've corrupted their conscience 
So now what do they do? They are a law unto themselves. What does that mean? They don't look to God. They don't look to the word. That law of conscience that they had, they've just crossed those lines all over the place. And what's right today probably won't be right next week. And what was wrong five years ago is no longer wrong. It's right. That's the danger you have today is that people live by a corrupted, ever-changing conscience. So they don't know where the lines are. See, you and I, see, this is why you got to be a Bible person. So that you know what the Word of God says about what is right and about what is wrong. You have a relationship with the Holy Spirit and He tells you what is right and He tells you what is wrong. Hallelujah. You have an unction from the Holy Spirit and then you have a conscience. Where if you start moving towards something or even thinking about it and your conscience starts bothering you, you know to back away from it. But see, they don't. The world doesn't. So this is where you get, well, you know, your truth versus my truth. I just do what I feel. I just am what I feel. If I feel like being a girl today, I'll be a girl today. If I feel like being a boy tomorrow, I'll be a boy tomorrow. See, you see what I'm saying? You see how we've gotten here? We've dismissed the word. We've dismissed relationship with the Holy Spirit. Even Christians can get to this place. Praise the Lord. They're a law unto themselves which show the work of the law written in their hearts. Their conscience also bearing witness and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or excusing one another. Meaning this, they accuse or excuse things by the law of conscience which is corrupted and can't be trusted. You and I are different. You and I have tools. Hallelujah. We have the word which is a guide for our lives. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the wisdom of God. And we have a pure, pure. How do you keep your conscience pure? You line it up with the word of God. When you line your conscience up with the word of God, you will keep your conscience pure pure and undefiled and then your conscience will help be a guide to you in a time where there is gross darkness and confusion I tell you what I'm not afraid you know you read I remember as a young people I'd read those scriptures and I think oh I don't want to walk away from the, my faith <laughs> I don't want to be one of those that walks away. But you know what? I don't have to walk away. You don't have to walk away. We can use the tools that God has given us and stay free 
from deception. Amen. Did you get something out of that this morning? I know that was a little in-depth, but I'm, t- I'm telling you, we, we have to... We have to be at that place where we just decide, you know what, I'm not going to go against my conscience. I was talking to a young gal the other day in our church, and she had some friends that was, you know, pushing her towards something. And I just asked her, I said, well, what is your, what is it, what does your conscience say? She goes, oh, she goes, I just can't even imagine being in that position. She said, I would feel so terrible even being there. While all these things were going on, I said, well, there's your answer right there. You don't owe anybody any more of an explanation than that. It goes against my conscience. And I'm not violating my conscience. Because I'm telling you, God gave it to you to help you. Amen. Did you get something out of that? Let's just lift up our heart. Let's thank God today for his word. Father, we so appreciate the word of God. We so appreciate the wisdom that you've given to us for this time. This is such a crazy time. We look around and we're amazed, I think, every day at how much crazier it gets. But God, you're with us and you've equipped us and you've given us what it takes through your word, through the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit to to run our race and to not get caught up in the things that are happening around us. We thank you today for that protection that your word provides, the protection your wisdom and your spirit provides, and the protection that a pure conscience will provide in our life against these things. And we give you glory and we give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're here today and you've never been born again and you want to be, I want to give you that opportunity to give your life to Jesus. Anybody at all? Anybody at all? Praise the Lord. Well, I hope you enjoyed that today. I tell you, we're going to look at some more things along those lines because I think we just need, um, I think we need to walk softly before the Lord to really take heed and really pay attention. Pay attention during this time. This is not a time like any other. We need to really pay attention to our spiritual life. Amen. And God is here to help us. Aren't you glad for that?